0: Anti Federalist Papers, Section 23, Brutus Letter 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by M. L. Cohen, Cleveland, Ohio, May 2007. 15 November, 1787. To the citizens of the State of New York. In the investigation of this Constitution under your consideration, great care should be taken that you do not form your opinions respecting it from unimportant provisions or fallacious appearances. On a careful examination you will find that many of its parts of little moment are well formed. In these it has a specious resemblance of a free government. But this is not sufficient to justify the adoption of it. The gilded pill is often found to contain the most deadly poison. You are not, however, to expect a perfect form of government any more than to meet with perfection in man. Your views, therefore, ought to be directed to the main pillars upon which a free government is to rest. If these are well placed, on a foundation that will support the superstructure, you should be satisfied, although the building may want a number of ornaments, which, if your particular taste were gratified, you would have added to it. On the other hand, if the foundation is insecurely laid, and the main supports are wanting, or not properly fixed, however the fabric may be decorated and adorned, you ought to reject it. Under these impressions, it has been my object to turn your attention to the principal defects in this system. I have attempted to show that a consolidation of this extensive continent under one government for internal as well as external purposes, which is evidently the tendency of this constitution, cannot succeed without a sacrifice of your liberties and therefore that the attempt is not only preposterous, but extremely dangerous, and I have shown, independent of this, that the plan is radically defective in a fundamental principle, which ought to be found in every free government, to wit, a Declaration of Rights. I shall now proceed to take a nearer view of this system, to examine its ports more minutely, and show that the powers are not properly deposited for the security of public liberty. The first important object that presents itself in the organization of this government is the legislature. This is to be composed of two branches. The first is to be called the General Assembly, and is to be chosen by the people of the respective states, in proportion to the number of their inhabitants, and is to consist of sixty-five members, with powers in the legislature to increase the numbers, not to exceed one for every thirty thousand inhabitants. The second branch is to be called the Senate and is to consist of twenty-six members, two of which are to be chosen by the legislatures of each of the States. In the former of these there is an apparatus of justice, in the appointment of its members, but, if the clause which provides for this branch be stripped of its ambiguity, it will be found that there is really no equality of representation, even in this House. The words are, quote, "...representative and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states." which may be included in this union, according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years, and excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. Close quote. What a strange and unnecessary accumulation of words are here used to conceal from the public eye what might have been expressed in the following concise manner. Representatives are to be proportioned among the states respectively, according to the number of free men and slaves inhabiting them, counting five slaves for three free men. In a free state, says the celebrated Montesquieu, every man who is supposed to be a free agent ought to be concerned with his own government. Therefore the legislature should reside in the whole body of people or in their representatives, close quote but it has never been alleged that those who are not free agents can upon any rational principle have anything to do in government either by themselves or others if they have no share in government why is the number of members in the assembly to be increased on their account Is it because in some of the states a considerable part of the property of the inhabitants consists in a number of their fellow men, who are held in bondage and defiance of every idea of benevolence, justice, and religion, and contrary to all the principles of liberty which have been publicly avowed in the late-glorious revolution? If this be a just ground for representation, the horses in some of the states and the oxen in others ought to be represented, for a great share of property in some of them consists in these animals and they have as much control over their own actions as these poor unhappy creatures who were intended to be described in the above recited clause by the words quote, all other persons end quote. by this mode of apportionment the representative of the different plans of the union will be extremely unequal in some of the southern states the slaves are nearly equal in number to the freemen and for all these slaves they will be entitled to a proportionate share in the legislature this will give them an unreasonable weight in the government which can derive no additional strength, protection, nor defense from slaves, but the contrary. Why, then, should they be represented? What adds to the evil is that these states should be permitted to continue the inhuman traffic of importing slaves until the year 1808, and for every cargo of these unhappy people, which unfeeling, unprincipled, barbarous, and avaricious wretches may tear from their country, friends and tender connections, and bring into these states— They are to be rewarded by having an increase of members in the General Assembly. There appears, at the first view, a manifest inconsistency in the apportionment of representatives in the Senate upon a plan of a consolidated government. On every principle of equity and propriety, representation in the government should be in exact proportion to the numbers or the aids afforded by the persons represented. How unreasonable and unjust it is that Delaware should have a representation in the Senate equal to Massachusetts or Virginia, the latter which contains ten times her numbers, and is to contribute to the aid of the general government in this proportion? This article of the Constitution will appear the more objectionable if it is considered that the powers vested in this branch of the legislature are very extensive, and greatly surpass those lodged in the Assembly, not only for general purposes, but in many instances for the internal police of the states the other branch of the legislature, in which, if in either, a faint spark of democracy should be found, should have been properly organized and established, but upon examination you will find that this branch does not possess the qualities of a just representation, and that there is no kind of security, imperfect as it is, for its remaining in the hands of the people. It has been observed that the happiness of society is the end of government that every free government is found in compact, and that, because it is impracticable for the whole community to assemble, or when assembled, to deliberate with wisdom, and decide with dispatch, the mode of legislating by representation was devised. The very term, Representative, implies that the person or body chosen for this purpose should resemble those who appoint them. A representation of the people of America, if it be a true one, must be like the people, It ought to be so constituted that a person who is a stranger to the country might be able to form a just idea of their character by knowing that of their representatives. They are the sign, the people are the thing signified. It is absurd to speak of one thing being the representative of another upon any other principle. The ground and reason of representation in a free government implies the same thing. Society instituted government to promote the happiness of the whole and this is the great end always in view of the delegation of powers. It must then have been intended that those who are placed instead of the people should possess their sentiments and feelings, and be governed by their interests, or, in other words, should bear the strongest resemblance of those in whose rooms they are substituted. It is obvious that for an assembly to be a true likeness of the people of any country, they must be considerably numerous one man or a few men cannot possibly represent the feelings opinions and characters of a great multitude in this respect the new constitution is radically defective the house of assembly which is intended as a representation of the people of america will not or cannot in the nature of things be a proper one. Sixty-five men cannot be found in the united states who hold the sentiments possess the feelings or are acquainted with the wants and interests of this vast country This extensive continent is made up of a number of different classes of people, and to have a proper representation of them, each class ought to have an opportunity of choosing their best-informed men for the purpose, but this cannot possibly be the case in so small a number. The State of New York, on the present apportionment, will send six members to the Assembly. I will venture to affirm that number cannot be found in a State who will bear just resemblance to the several classes of people who compose it. In this assembly, the farmer, merchant, mechanic, and other various orders of people ought to be representative according to their respective weight and numbers, and the representatives ought to be intimately acquainted with the wants, understand the interests of the several orders in the society, and feel a proper sense and becoming zeal to promote their prosperity. I cannot conceive that any six men in this state can be found properly qualified in these respects to discharge such important duties. But supposing it possible to find them, Is there the least degree of probability that the choice of the people will fall upon such men? Wealth always creates influence, and this is generally much increased by large family connections. This class in society will forever have a great number of dependents. Besides, they will always favor each other. It is in their interest to combine. They will therefore constantly unite their efforts to procure men of their own rank to be elected. They will concentrate all their force in every part of the State into one point, and by acting together will most generally carry their election. It is probable that but few of the merchants, and those the most opulent and ambitious, will have a representation from their body. Few of them are characters sufficiently conspicuous to attract the notice of the electors of the State, in so limited a representation. The great body of the Yeomen of the country cannot expect any of their order in this assembly the station will be too elevated for them to aspire to the distance between the people and their representatives will be so very great that there is no probability that a farmer however respectable will be chosen the mechanics of every branch must expect to be excluded from a seat in this body it will and must be esteemed a station too high and exalted to be filled by any but the first men in the state in point of fortune so that in reality There will be no part of the people represented but the rich, even in this branch of legislature, which is called democratic. The well-born and highest orders in life, as they turn themselves, will be ignorant of the sentiment of the middling classes of citizens, strangers to their ability, wants and difficulties, and void of sympathy and fellow-feeling. This branch of the legislature will not only be an imperfect representation, but there will be no security in so small a body against bribery and corruption. It will consist, at first, of sixty-five, and can never exceed one for every thirty-thousand inhabitants. A majority of these, that is, thirty-three are a quorum, and a majority of which, or seventeen, may pass any law, so that twenty-five men will have the power to give away all the property of the citizens of these states. What security, therefore, can there be for the people, where their liberties and properties are at the disposal of so few men? It will literally be a government in the hands of the few to oppress and plunder the many you may conclude with a great degree of certainty that it, like all others of a similar nature, will be managed by influence and corruption, and that the period is not far distant when this will be the case, if it should be adopted, for even now there are some among us whose characters stand high in the public estimation, and who have a principal agency in framing this constitution, who do not scruple to say that this is the only practicable mode of governing a people, who think with that degree of freedom which the Americans do this government will have in their gift a vast number of offices of great honor and emolument. The members of the legislature are not excluded from appointments, and twenty-five of them, as the case may be being secured, any measure may be carried. The rulers of this country must be composed of very different materials from those of any other, or of which history gives us any account. If the majority of the legislature are not before many years entirely at the devotion of the executive, and these states will soon be under the absolute domination of one or a few with the fallacious appearance of being governed by men of their own election. The more I reflect on this subject, the more firmly am I persuaded that the representation is merely nominal, a mere burlesque, and that no security is provided against corruption and undue influence. No free people on earth who have elected persons to legislate for them ever repose that confidence in so small a number. The British House of Commons consists of 558 members. The number of inhabitants in Great Britain is computed at 8 millions. This gives one member for a little more than 14,000, which exceeds double the proportion this country can ever have. And yet we require a larger representation in proportion to our numbers than Great Britain, because this country is much more extensive, and differs more in its productions, interests, manners, and habits. The democratic branch of the legislatures of the several states in the Union consists, I believe at present, of near two thousand, and this number was not thought too large for the security of liberty by the framers of our state constitutions. Some of the states have erred in this respect, but the difference between two thousand and sixty-five is so very great that it will bear no comparison. Other objections offer themselves against this part of the Constitution. I shall reserve them for a future paper. When I shall show, defective as this representation is, no security is provided, that even this shadow of the right will remain with the people. Brutus End Anti-Federalist Papers, Section 23, Brutus, Letter Number 3